On the block, on demand. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. I may have some news for you in a moment. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Continue standing by. Okay, not 10. 25-footer, yes! Off the glass and in! An assassin, Stone Cold! Somebody in Vegas told him they were going to win by 20! The Bills make me want to Taylor, going to take his shot, throwing in zone, he's got weapons! Touchdown! This is On The Block. Here is your host, Brent Axe. Ah! The Air! Here on ESPN Radio. 97.7. 100.1. ESPN Radio. Oh, what's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board. You can listen online. They do have the internet on computers now, ESPNSyracuse.com. You can also hit the ESPN app, so you can take us with you wherever you go. It's a great way to stay in touch with the program. No matter where you're listening, just download the ESPN app on your phone. There's a listen tab there. Just punch in Syracuse. And away you go, my friends. Away you go. Here's how you get in touch with the program today. 437-7644. That's the phone number. You can hit us on Twitter. Brent Axe Media. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. Where the show never stops. And you can also hit the On the Block text line as well. 288-0644 is how you reach the On the Block text line. We have one guest joining us today. She's going to join us this hour. She's on the beat for ESPN College Football with a emphasis, a focus on the ACC. And the ACC is just a crazy mess of unpredictability right now, and that's a beautiful thing. So Andrea Adelson will try and straighten it all out for us. Is there a scenario? You tell me there's a chance that the Orange could keep this going and perhaps in the conversation for the Atlantic Division. Now, they lost to NC State, but have a win over Clemson. Can Syracuse keep this up? So many questions. We'll look around the league, where Clemson goes from here, just how good is Miami as Syracuse gets ready to head to South Beach this weekend. Yes, I know, technically, Miami is not on South Beach. Every time I mention that, somebody tweets me, they're not on South Beach. Just go with me here, okay? So anyway, Andrea Adelson will straighten that all out for us. We'll do some hot takes as usual. We'll go on the blind side as we do every Monday. Uh, the NFL's ratings problem is not the anthem protest situation. And There's news on Colin Kaepernick. He's trying to prove collusion in the National Football League, given the NFL's army of uh, lawyers. I say good luck with that in your quest. That's not why the ratings are either down or affected. There's just been too much bad football, and this weekend collectively, with certain noted exceptions, was the reason why. And that's, of course, because your Buffalo Bills were off this week. Of course, it was a bad weekend of NFL football. We'll get into that, but of course, we start with the afterglow that you're still feeling today. Clemson cannot stop the clock. Victory formation again with 16 seconds to go. And Dungy takes one more knee. The Orange pour out onto the field. It's the biggest upset 
in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange lead the entire game and hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson, winners of 11 in a row. The final score is the Cuse 27, Clemson 24. By the way, uh, Thursday night, 8 o'clock, mark it right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. We are going to re-air Syracuse's historic upset of then number 2 Clemson right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. So plenty more of Matt Park and the call and building up and what that game was. Thursday night, 8 o'clock, re-air right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. There are three things about that football game that to this moment and forevermore will stun me when we look back on it. And I'm going to use that word, stun. And that is not a word that is often used in the sports world today. Okay, I am now coming off on the air after Daniel Baldwin and Josh from K-Rock did a show on this radio station, which, you know, in your wildest dreams, you could not come up with, but we did, and it happened. So the word stun and shock and surprise you have to use very carefully these days because just when you think nothing can stun you, it'll come along and do that. But we're so desensitized to shock and awe and things of that nature these days in sports that rarely am I truly stunned. There are three things about that game that fit that description. First and foremost, and this is a as much credit as I can give to the Syracuse offensive line from left to right. Game balls, every award you can think of. Folks, that entire Clemson defensive line, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, Austin Bryant, these guys are all going to play in the National Football League. They are that good collectively from left to right. They are one of the best defensive lines in college football. That did not change after one game. That did not change after Friday night. They're still that good, will continue to be that good and get that good. Syracuse's offensive line, full of young players, injured players, a group that Dino Babers himself has pointed at and said, we need experience there, we need reps there, we need these guys to just get out there and do it went out there for four quarters and pushed around one of the best defensive lines in college football. That's incredible. It was not just here or there. It was consistent. Now, look, Clemson sacked Eric Dungy six times. When you have talented players, they're going to get to the other team. But Syracuse punched back. They fought like hell. They matched them, exceeded them, beat them up, went back at them for four quarters. It was just flat-out inspiring to watch how that Syracuse offensive line stuck to their guns and fought those guys tooth and nail. The second thing that stunned me about that football game is when you win up in college football, when you pull off an upset, the key ingredient to that is always turnovers. Always. Nine out of ten times, It is turnovers, right? Syracuse did not create a turnover in that football game, and they still beat the number two team in the country, a team that I still think can get to the college football playoff and is still darn good. That just does not happen. I brought it up last week. We brought it up on the pregame show from Shaughnessy's, which, by the way, can I take a moment and say, what a pregame show we had Friday Shaughnessy's was packed to the gills. The tailgate outside was packed to the gills. So many people came up and said hello. It was great to see all of you there. We had a ball. What a time we had on Friday. 
And again, this sounds, look, I felt that then. I did not predict Syracuse to win, but I'm telling you, there was a good feeling there. Nobody was like, oh, boy, we're going to get our ass kicked tonight. Everybody was like, come on, you can do this. I had one guy come up to me and said, look, Brent, I was there in 1984 when Syracuse beat Nebraska. I, I brought that good luck with me. They can do this. Like, people really believe. They knew how hard it would be and how they'd have to play and what it would take to do it. But there was a collective sense of optimism. There really was. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not making this up. If you were there Friday, you felt it. And maybe a couple adult beverages contributed to that feeling. But there really was this, like, there was a buzz in the air. Like, man, there's a big-time college football game here tonight, and they can do this. I loved it, and it was great. And I'm glad for you, the fans, that this happened, Okay. But to do it without a turnover, and what I I got on the pregame show thought, because Friday we went back to that Pittsburgh game, and credit to our boy Scooter, who called this show last week and said, okay, Pittsburgh is the last team to beat Clemson. Here's how they did it. Pittsburgh had a lot of turnovers in that game that they created. One guy had three interceptions alone, and they set up plays at the end. They also had a running back in James Conner who made some big runs, and They ran the ball, turnovers. It was a completely different formula. They had to still kick a field goal, 48-yard field goal, as time expired to win that game. Which brings me to my next point that stuns me. At no point on Friday night did Syracuse trail in that game. Think about that for a second, okay? Just go back to the other two things that I just told you. The offensive line kicked Clemson's ass. That's the best defensive line in football, in college football, arguably. If they're not, they're in the top three. Syracuse did not create a turnover in this game, and they never trailed. Never. I mean, Clemson's just one of those teams that, you know, on half speed is going to lead that game at some point. Did not happen. A lot of things had to go right. The one thing that I hammered all week long, Last week, as simple as a point as this is, get after that quarterback. Because Kelly Bryant was not 100%, and you saw it early. If you were at the game, if you were watching from anywhere where you were watching, you saw it. He was not moving well. And this is where Dabo Swinney, God bless the guy, he went in the Syracuse locker room afterwards and shook everybody's hand and congratulated them. You could see him very clearly telling Dino after the game, I'm happy for you. Quite the contrast from when Scott Schaefer was yelling across the field for him to do some things I can't repeat on the radio right now. But Dabo made a mistake. He left him in there, and Syracuse made him pay. It is a lot more demoralizing when somebody knocks your quarterback out versus when the coach taps him on the shoulder and says, look, you gave it a go, but you can't run this off. And so we find ourselves in this spot now. After Syracuse's incredible win, how about that Irv Phillips touchdown? 66 yards. There's nobody within a zip code. Dungey takes the snap, scans the secondary, throws over the middle. Irv wide open, 45-40. Green in front, right down the middle, untouched. It's 66 to the house. And the lead for the Orange. Steve Ishmael uh, had to fight off not only Clemson, but the Zebras once again, but had another terrific game. From January. The action throw to the end zone on the right side. It's caught. Steve Ishmael. Touchdown, Orange. And they still lead Clemson. 
By the way, can we talk about how good of a throw that was? Because you got to admit, Dungy has been shaky this at points this year. Some throws off, takes them a while to get going. From the minute they stepped on the field, they were ready. They took control, brought up their Phillips touchdown. That throw, right on the money. Right on the money. That team was ready to go. That team seized the moment. They took everything that they could in that game, did it unconventionally without turnovers and overwhelming Clemson physically at times. And now what they have in the bank is... Ah, uh, the bank, as we will discuss. But what you have in the bank now is a story to tell. This generation of Syracuse football fans has their Nebraska story. You don't have to hear Dad's Nebraska story anymore. You don't have to hear Grandpa's Nebraska story anymore because you didn't have one. Sure, you had some great wins. Okay, hey, how about that pinstripe bowl? How about that? Stephen Berminski catch in the end zone and, and upsets and wins that have taken place since then, which have all been good, but are nowhere near on the level, the program-changing level that beating Clemson, Clemson, the defending national champions, arguably the best team in the country coming in on Friday, Okay, 33 years ago, Nebraska fit almost all of these descriptions. There was no better way to test yourself. And I said this on Friday at the pregame show. I said, go out there and let it all hang out. And there was no better way to measure yourself than against one of the best teams in college football. The only other program that could exceed that is Bama. And the people were saying it after the game, right? We want Bama. Let's not get too crazy, okay? Let's, you know. The guy is drunk. Let's see. Whoa, it's, uh, whoa, it's uh, Zach Morris time out that one. No, no, no. But what better way to test yourself than against that team? You have that story now. You rushed the field after the game. Some of you got hurt doing that, by the way. One of those sounds good in the moment things. Then you're like, oh, boy, that's a longer drop than I thought of it. Next thing you know, you break your ankle. But it'll be worth it. And now you got a story to tell, right? So I am happy for you. You now have that story. Because now when Dad brings up Nebraska, you could say, how about Clemson? This team now has a program-defining win. Dino Babers was on the road recruiting this weekend right after that. And no matter where he goes and who he talks to, He's got that in his back pocket. Now, here's the trick. You got Miami this week. Another top 10 team, a team that is now fully aware of what Syracuse can do. There's no sneaking up on the Hurricanes. It is a team that has had to win late. And if you saw how Miami won on Saturday, they should not have won that game. But you look at the scoreboard, and there they are. And Georgia Tech's like, what the hell just happened? But Miami is fully aware of what Syracuse can do. Syracuse has an opportunity here to seize the national attention that is on them. Dino Babers on Mike and Mike this morning. I've got a story coming out tomorrow on Syracuse.com that you'll want to read. I talked to a bunch of national writers today, including Arise Davis from ESPN and what their perspective is on Dino. So what you have to do now is build on this because it is in this same season, my friends, that Middle Tennessee State defeated Syracuse. 
just like we all thought. 2017, the year we lose to Middle Tennessee State, but defeat the defending national champions. That is the crazy roller coaster ride that college football, that sports, can take you on. And it is why we love it. And Friday was a great reminder of that. We don't write this stuff down. This is not scripted. And I fall into that trap as much as anybody, and I love it when something comes along and slaps you right in the face and says, no, this is why sports are sports. There is much more to be said about this, including how Syracuse University has got to step up. This is their moment. John Wildhack has got to lead the charge on something that he did tell our Nate Mink at Syracuse.com, that fans walking out of the game said to him, walking up the stairs, spotting him in that press box, do what you have to do. Do whatever is necessary to keep Dino Babers in town because Dino Babers now has all the leverage sitting right in his back pocket. Thanks, Brent. Thank you, Coach. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. So when we come back, I want to get a broader perspective on this. Our friend Andrea Adelson, ESPN.com, will join us to give us the ACC view of things. Certainly thoughts on Dino and Syracuse and how this is playing outside of the afterglow bubble that we find ourselves in. We'll do that next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Oh, man. What a comeback. You think that New Orleans Saints comeback was impressive? The 80s bump revival on this show has been amazing. That's in your head the rest of the day. Boom. Woo! Let's do it. Billy Ocean, be needed. Who's that lady? As much as I want to sing Billy Ocean the rest of the day, we got some hot takes to do. Hit me with that fancy. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Banner day for play-by-play goofs from two of the biggest names in the sport. And it gives me no pleasure to do this because he is a Syracuse University legend. He has accomplished more in like a month of his career than I will ever accomplish if you gave me five different lifetimes. Okay, Dick Stockton is a legend, but... Oh, boy, did you catch this one? On the Visa Halftime Report, Kurt Terry, Howie, Michael, and Tony look on graphic for the final two bullet points. Well, sometimes, young offensive tackle right there. Nice job by Mark Schlereth. To, um, did he, I, he just read... Read the copy. The copy's good, Dick. Read the copy. On the Visa okay. Halftime Report, Kurt Terry, Howie, Michael, and Tony look... On graphic for the final two bullet points. Now, see, you're supposed to actually do that. So you're supposed to... Oh. And bleep you, 
Louis San Diego. That's hot. All right, last night, Sunday night football, Al Michaels decided to make a Harvey Weinstein joke. I mean, let's face it, the Giants are coming off a worse week than Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> and they're up by 14 points. Only my L.A. guy comes up with that well, one. Well, you know. There you go. All you have to do is read the papers, <laughs> any paper. Oh, boy. And in this world of social media, about five minutes later, Al Michaels apologized for said Harvey Weinstein joke. Back in Denver. Sorry I made a reference earlier before. Try to be a little flip about uh, somebody obviously very much in the news all over the country and was not meant in that manner. So uh, my apologies. And... Uh, We'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it with. And the lesson always, kids, stick to sports, right? That's hot. Right? Yeah. So anyway, on that stick to sports note, how about a Colin Kaepernick update? It is about sports, though. So Kaepernick, in a, in a great sense of timing here, because you know the Green Bay Packers could use a quarterback and perhaps would call a guy from Milwaukee who grew up a Green Bay Packers fan, despite the controversy that would come with that, because... They're desperate. Aaron Rodgers, out for the year, collarbone, good night. At the same time this news is coming out, roughly, it is announced that Colin Kaepernick has filed a grievance under the latest collective bargaining agreement against NFL owners for collusion, according to his attorney, Mark Garagas. Now, it should be noted, Mark Garagas is pretty much the Gloria Allred of male attorneys, okay, because You need to make a splash. You need to get a settlement. You need to put something out there for publicity in a case you're probably not going to win. He's your guy, okay? Proving collusion against the National Football League is not going to happen, all right? The NFL has a lot of very expensive lawyers that will fight that off. Short of having like 10 owners on a wiretap saying, we're going to do everything we can to keep this guy out of the league, This is going to be a very hard thing to prove, okay? They said it was done as kind of a last resort. The filing demands an arbitration hearing, and the NFL and its owners, quote, have colluded to deprive Mr. Kaepernick of employment rights and retaliation for his leadership and advocacy for equality and social justice and is bringing awareness to peculiar institutions still undermining racial equality in the United States. It was sent to all 32 teams, and as Mike Florio pointed out last night on NBC Sunday Night Football, okay? This could, if they go all the way with this, all right? This is a small possibility, but it is there. It could nullify the entire collective bargaining agreement. That's not going to happen. nowhere near a legal expert, but I know the chances of that giving the NFL's army of lawyers is not going to uh, be a likely scenario. We'll put it that way, but... Now you've got a guy who has turned the NFL on its head, has inspired a lot of people against the backlash of many to speak up for social justice, do some things. I've been over this many times on this show, how I feel that's not the time or the place to do that. But there's no question what Kaepernick has done, agree or disagree. But why is this, other under threat of lawsuit, going to have a team come around to sign you? Colin Kaepernick's not in the league. Is Colin Kaepernick's just not that good? Now, to be fair, I'm sorry, Brandon Whedon getting signed by a team, Kevin Hogan will have started exactly one week for the Cleveland Browns before they go back to Deshaun Kaiser. There are a lot of bad quarterbacks out there. You cannot tell me he cannot be on the roster as a backup somewhere, which is what he would have to do at this point. Be brought in as a backup and see if he could fit a team. 
But to sue the league for collusion, like, I think he's just at the point where he's like, I know I'm not getting back in unless I take this all the way. And we'll see where it goes. That's hot. Just when you think that story is going to fade, the president of the United States throws a gas can uh, on that fire. Just when that's even starting to fade just a little bit while every president in our minds, boom. And the winner, as always, kids, billable hours. Billable hours. Speaking of quarterbacks, folks, I don't believe in curses. I don't. I'm a Red Sox fan, and I never believed in the curse of the Bambino because the curse of the Bambino is ridiculous. I'm starting to believe in curses, though, and I'm going to tell you why. And it is from our old friend Ryan Fitzpatrick. Did you know we went to Harvard, by the way, and wears a wedding ring when he uh, plays football? I bet you didn't know that. That's what we're here to do, bring you the sports and information. I'm just going to go over this here, okay, because maybe curses are real. Now, this is also due to the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick has been in the National Football League for a long time, and there's a lot of injuries in football, so these things tend to go together. But you tell me that this is a coincidence in 2005. He's with the St. Louis Rams. Mark Bolger's starting quarterback. He gets hurt. He's out eight games. And guess who's conveniently there to step right in? That's right, Ryan Fitzpatrick. 2008, Cincinnati Bengals. Carson Palmer goes down with an elbow injury. Missed 12 games. He was there to save the day. Step right in. That's right, Ryan Fitzpatrick. 2009, your Buffalo Bills. Trent Edwards, concussion. Fitzmagic steps in, and the Bills ridiculously give this man a contract extension. They had no business doing it, and it's the one thing I ever said on the Bills radio network that I got in trouble for saying on the Bills radio network and how ridiculous it was that Ralph Wilson gave him a contract extension based on, like, six games. That's a whole different story for a different day. I've just scratched the surface. 2013, Tennessee Titans, Jake Locker goes down with a foot injury. Oh, Who's there? Ryan Fitzpatrick to start nine games. 2014, Houston Texans. Ryan Mallett goes down with a pectoral. And there's Ryan Fitzpatrick. 2015, New York Jets. Geno Smith got punched in the face. And how convenient is it that Ryan Fitzpatrick is sitting in that locker room? How do we know that Ryan Fitzpatrick did not pay I.K. and Polly? do that how do we know we don't know that you don't know i don't know maybe elvis was in the room too you don't know that i don't know that he knew because he knew rex ryan would sign him see see people rex ryan you see the conspiracy come on bro go up there and do that i'll give you a thousand dollars just go punch him man why rex ryan will sign you the next day come on help a brother out here it was in 2016 bryce petty goes down and who's there? Ryan Fitzpatrick. And it was yesterday. Ryan Fitzpatrick, still in the league. Jameis Winston, shoulder injury. Status, to be determined. And who's there? With his dopey beard and his wedding ring and his Harvard education. That's right. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think we know there's more going on here, people. I... I Forget this Kaepernick stuff. Forget you. Let's put concussions on hold. Let's put this must rise to the top of the priorities in Roger Goodell's office. I demand justice. I demand answers. I demand to know how convenient it is 
Ryan Fitzpatrick always seems to get back on the field. Hmm? Do you think it's talent? Come on. I think we know what's really going on here. And I'm going to get the answers. If Goodell won't do it, then we will. We will find the truth. And the truth is... That's hot. Ryan Fitzpatrick does voodoo. What other explanation is there? I see you with your doll over there in the corner. Well, yeah, I see you. I see you over there. That's what you're hiding that beard, Fitzpatrick. I know what you're up to. <sighs> do I have to do everything around here? I got to figure out everything. Come on. It's real. This is real, man. I don't know how I go from that to baseball, but we're going to do that. Tonight, American League Championship Series, Houston, up 2 nothing on your New York Yankees. Sabathia and Morton. Sabathia's 2-1 against Houston lifetime. Morton did beat the Yankees this year at Yankee Stadium. Ten strikeouts in that game, a 10-7 win. Has not been a lot of offense in the series when you thought there probably would be. Yankees entered game three hitting 159, 10 for 63, 27 strikeouts, four walks, 16 total bases. Aaron Judge, 1-for-7 with three strikeouts. He's 2-for-27 with 19 strikeouts since getting two hits in the wild card game against the Twins. Gary Sanchez is 0-for-7 in this series. He's 4-for-30 since the wild card game against the Twins. But the Astros are hitting 190 after batting 333 in the American League Divisional Series against, you know, Red Sox. Anyway, Jose Altuve has been carrying this team. 5 for 8 this series, 8 for 15 in the ALDS against uh, the Red Sox. Well, Carlos Correa, 3 for 7, 3 RBI in the National League. You got the Dodgers up 2-0. They've won their last five. Justin Turner, the dramatic walk-off last night. By the way, on the 29-year anniversary of Kirk Gibson's home run. How cool is that? That it happened on that night. So we're heading towards... Astros Dodgers World Series for kind of historical purposes New York LA that whole thing I would like to see the Yankees play the Dodgers I think that would be cool to see that again but the better series would most certainly be Astros Dodgers and that appears to be what we're heading towards and yes that still sounds weird to me because every time I talk about the Houston Astros I have to remind myself that they're now in the American League I know it's been a couple of years but I'm sorry, the kid, you grow up, National League, just, I'll never get over that. I'll never get over that. On that note, we will take a break. We'll come back with more Syracuse football talk because there's a lot of things that come out of that Clemson win, but one of the things that has been on your mind today and will be on your mind is time to step up. In the words of Teddy KGB, pay that man his money. But it's not just that man. It's a lot of mans. We'll talk about it next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.